Welcome back to the Centered in the City podcast and a very happy, healthy new year to you. We are kicking off the first podcast of the year by talking about why are goals important. And I'm also going to be breaking down my marathon training, my speed walking marathon training to be exact. Share some behind the scenes of training for this speed walking marathon as well as my motivation for doing it. So let's settle into this episode and let's get centered. We are in the new year, so it probably means goals are on your mind. I know they are for me, and this time of year is really where I try to slow down because there's such a pressure that once the new year hits, that calendar strikes 1-1 to like put your foot on the gas pedal and get going. And that sense of get going creates so much pressure. And sometimes there's already this feeling of like, oh, I'm behind or, oh my God, I need to speed up to catch up because time is going so fast. So if you are experiencing any of those thoughts or those feelings or impulses, know that you are not alone. I shared in my last solo episode as I was recapping the new year that one of the like mindsets I want to carry with me is slow and steady. And so I get to remind myself that as the calendar has started over, there is this freshness, there is this new beginning. It's not like I'm starting from zero. Reminding myself that slow and steady because all of our little micro action steps each day can forward us in really powerful ways. And when I say forward us, I don't even mean moving towards a goal necessarily. I just mean connecting us more intentionally to who we are, to who we want to be being, to just our natural, innate goodness that's alive inside of us. So to be honest, there's part of me that wants to say F it to goals. Like why do we need goals? What's what's the point of having goals? Don't I just get to be a human being that gets to enjoy this life, gets to do good for the world? And can't that be enough? And I say yes. And as humans, we have this Maslow hierarchies need of self-actualization, which is an opportunity to see ourselves growing, to achieving, to exploring, to challenging ourselves. So if we are lucky enough that our other basic needs of safety and love and belonging and shelter and food are met, there is this greater desire to grow and challenge ourselves as a human being. As somebody who is deep in the field of self-development and self-exploration, I am always hungry for understanding myself on a deeper level, getting to know myself so that I can stay present with myself because who I am and who I was last year or a few months ago isn't necessarily who I am right now. And that's not from a schizophrenic perspective, but it's this idea that we have choice in every moment, that we get to choose, that we get to grow, that we get to learn new things that can inform how we want to be doing life the same or maybe differently. 
on the podcast, I've talked about the difference of intentions versus goals before. And just to recap, intentions are about setting a way we want to feel and be. So I want to feel calm and present when I interact with family, or I want to feel confident and energized while I'm facilitating my morning Monday meeting with my team, or when I mess up on an email or on a project, I want to be really kind and caring to myself and remind myself that I can always begin again and and try harder next time. Goals, on the other hand, are more specific. They're more actionable. There's a way to measure them and to track them in a more tangible insight. So for instance, I have a goal of reading one book a month for the next year. Maybe you have a goal to travel to three new countries. Maybe you have a goal to run a marathon. Or maybe your goal is to apply to a new job that offers leadership potential and growth opportunities. So hopefully, as you can see from these examples, goals are these external achievements. And intentions are more about how do you get to live and be every day regardless of the outcome. Now, I talk about in my work and in the intention setting party, which is coming up in a few weeks if you're interested in joining, how setting intentions is really important as our foundation, especially creating what I call the power intention, which is this word or theme that gets to be an anchor, kind of a motivating light that drives the rest of our actions. And when we anchor into our power intentions and when we anchor into our intentions, that can help us inform our goals. And it helps us create goals from a place of want to and a place of intrinsic motivation and goals that are more rooted and aligned to our personal value system than just because it's something that we think we should be doing or that's what my parents have done, or that's what everybody else around me is doing, or what I see on social media. And that sense of of being like a fish, just going with the flow of life where everybody else is taking you, and it not necessarily feeling like, oh, that's where I want to be going. And when that happens, I start to see people feel like they are in the passenger seat of their life. Somebody else is driving the car, They don't really know where they're going and they're just along for the ride. Instead of feeling like they are in the driver's seat, that they know where they want to be going and that they also have their foot on the gas and the brake pedal, understanding how to play with pace and understanding when to take breaks, when to put their foot on the gas pedal and go maybe a little faster or a little harder or a little bit more focused or when to park the car or change directions, right? There's a lot more empowerment when we are in the driver's seat. As you are thinking about your 2024, I really welcome you to rest into your intentions. I will have linked in the show notes a free process you can find out on my blog around how I like to create my power intentions. 
and then use those power intentions to create greater intentions and goals for the new year. And if you're wanting some support in how to do that, I welcome you to join me and a group of amazing people for the virtual intention setting party. It's going to be really fun. It's an opportunity to have space to do some meditation so that we drop below the surfaces of shoulds and connect deeper to our inner wisdom that we want to tap, that we want to harness to help guide us so that we can be in that driver's seat. So if you're interested in joining us, check out the show notes and the link. Otherwise, you can head to wadebrill.com slash intention setting party 2024. Last year, my power intentions were deep listening and patience. And so when I started to think about these deeper intentions, I started to explore my goals. And one of my goals became to walk, to speed walk a marathon. And this goal came out of my practice, my intention of patience, of cultivating more patience in my life. Because I felt that, you know what, to train for a marathon, to speed walk a marathon is going to take a lot of patience. I'm used to walking a lot, but not for that long or that sustained distance. I've never done a race before, like the turkey trot, a 5K, a half marathon, none of it that has never been on my radar or something I've been interested in doing. So I decided like, wow, it's going to take a lot of patience to not only train, but to sustain day of. I knew like, okay, I'm an athletic person. I've hiked. I walk a lot. I bike. I could walk 26 plus miles right now if I needed to. However, I wouldn't necessarily, you know, be in the best shape. Like I would probably have a lot of pain while doing it or after the fact I might have even more pain or maybe I'd injure myself. So training became really necessary and really important. Now, I think we can create goals at any time of the year. It's not something that we just have to do at the beginning of the year. I think that, again, marketing, New Year's stuff is kind of bullshit. However, at the same time, when we think about having this fresh calendar to play with where there might not be as many things scheduled yet, where we still feel ownership of our time and attention, it can be really important to start to claim some of that space for ourselves at the beginning of the year before other things start to fill up. So for instance, I knew I had to think ahead and explore, okay, if I'm going to do a walking marathon, do all marathons allow walkers? Are there specific marathons that are just walkers? Like I had to do some research to get some information. So this wasn't just a goal and it was going to magically happen, right? I had to put some action. Sometimes when we set goals, they can be really overwhelming because we have no idea where to start. And there can be so many different places of entry. There's not necessarily always the one right place of how to start searching or attacking a goal. So for me, this walking marathon was about getting educated. I didn't know anybody that's ever walked a marathon. I've known people that have run a marathon. So I needed to do some research. For those that are interested in doing a walking marathon, 
there are numerous marathons out there like the Hawaii Marathon, the Portland Marathon, the Athens Marathon, I believe the LA Marathon that allow walkers. There's some that don't. Once I had some research, I started to think about, okay, what time of year would be ideal? And that's where my husband and I started talking and we thought, you know what, it'd be really fun to kick off our honeymoon slash five-year anniversary by doing a marathon together. So he joined the speed walking marathon train with me and that is where we started to explore the time of year, which was November, and we started to look for what marathons are happening in the world around November. And we discovered that the Athens Greece Marathon is happening. And that felt so fun because that's the original marathon. It felt connected to history. It was probably going to be beautiful and good weather. It was part of the world that we wanted to explore that we've both never been to before. So having that end date helped us think backwards. So we were like, okay, we're going for this Athens Marathon, which means registration opens I believe it was in February so we had to have that on our calendar as a starting place now for somebody like me who's never done a race like this before I didn't know how competitive this was going to be so when the registration opened I believe it was like noon Athens time which was about like 2 a.m pacific time We were committed to doing our best to getting set up for this marathon. So we woke up at 2 a.m. and registered and we got in. And just to be transparent, there was like a way to easily cancel. You had to cancel within three months of the marathon and you'd get your money back. And I think it was like maybe $75 or something to register. The fact that they had an out policy was also a very easy way to commit which is interesting for the mind right like if I look back and I'm like huh I had like one foot in one foot out like how committed to this goal was I really like everything in life there's it's helpful to know that there is a way to modify plans if you need to if you need to pivot but setting that goal was really helpful because it became this pillar that I knew I was working towards And it was something to look forward to. It was something that my husband and I were doing together. It was also something I was doing for myself. It was a way that we were also celebrating our marriage and our relationship. And now that I had a date that we were aiming for, this November 12th date for the marathon, I knew that we were going to want to start really training over the summer like at minimum three months prior to the marathon. So then I had that time frame in August kind of blocked out in my calendar and mentally so that I knew, okay, come August is really where I got to zone in and start to focus on training more seriously. Now, when we think about setting goals, it's really important to think about why are we setting this goal? So again, not only does it come back to our intentions, but when we understand the why, we're also getting to the deeper value here. And so for me, my why for wanting to speed walk a marathon was because I love walking so much. Walking has been always this gift of mental health, of creativity. It's a way that I connect to my body. It's a way that I feel more connected to 
the space and environment around me. Walking feels like such a gift. My desire to speed walk this marathon came because I wanted to take my relationship to walking to the next level. Like I wanted to see how fast can my body actually walk when I challenge it in this way. Can my body walk a marathon? What does walking a marathon actually feel like in my body? Is this something my body is actually going to enjoy and want to do more of? So this goal became important to me because it was about growth. It also had this element of spirituality in it. And to be honest, I also was needing and wanting a goal that was going to challenge me, but that I could actually achieve it. Reflecting on goals I've set in the past, they've been really big and lofty and a lot of goals I haven't made. And that sense, that gap created a wobble internally for me last year of of really feeling like I was lacking trust with self. Like, could I actually achieve these stretchy goals? And so setting this marathon goal felt like it was it was stretchy, it was challenging enough, but it was something I could achieve. And so I was looking to build that sense of inner trust and confidence within myself. So let's fast forward to the actual training of it because I know a lot of you are interested in this. I got a lot of questions on Instagram and my DMs about training for the marathon. People have expressed doing marathons before, having run them, but that they're kind of overrunning and that walking one sounded really fun. So I highly recommend doing a walking marathon if you are physically able to and this feels like a goal that's connected to your own intentions and your own value system. I personally am not much of a runner. I maybe run once a month or once every other month just when I want that kind of rush and energy and a little taste of the runner's high. So running a marathon has never really been interesting or appealing to me. And it's funny because I think back when I did my month-long silent meditation retreat, I remember saying on the podcast and saying to other friends, like, you know what, this is kind of my marathon. Like I've never had that desire. And then here I am a few years later doing a walking marathon. So it's just funny to even just say like what we tell ourselves we're never going to do or never going to be interested in. And then maybe that day arrives when we're actually interested in it or when we want to do that challenge. So it's just a lesson for me and staying open, staying curious because we do never know. In the show notes, I'm going to link a training schedule that I use that I found from PBS. I tried to find walking coaches that would work with me, that would teach me how to speed walk properly, you know, use use the arms, use the hips movement, because again, I was I was really serious about embodying the speed walker personality, trying that on. But I couldn't find any that were willing to work with me super amateur so I decided okay I get to learn myself what the training schedule at high level looks like is walking (laughs) what that means is adding intentional longer walks into your schedule and also doing cross training so making sure that you're also doing pilates and weightlifting some strength training 
in between the longer walks as well as of course having rest days. One of the things I didn't think about ahead of time and started to pay attention to while I started training was that I was going to need to eat differently. I noticed like I was hungrier, I was going to need more protein, I was going to need to eat smaller meals more often. I was going to need to think about hydration support. So it was, it was kind of funny to me looking back at like, oh, me creating this more intense walking regime actually had a bigger impact on my life than I thought it was going to be. Like it shifted the way I eated. It took up actually a lot of time because walking and walking long distance takes more time than if you were to run there or bike there. So one training weekend might look like a Saturday walking three and a half hours. The next day, it might only look like a 20-minute walk. And then the following week, it might look like an hour and 45-minute walk. And the next day, an hour and 15-minute walk. And then maybe the next week is walking for four hours. And then the next day is 20 minutes. So there is a schedule that I followed to give some inspiration. And my husband and I would make it a fun adventure. We would pick different areas of the city to walk to. We created different loops depending on how many miles or how long we needed to walk. We were lucky that we were training in the beautiful Seattle summer and into fall. So Summer, we had just great sunshine, and it was obviously warm out. Fall, we got to watch the beautiful leaves change, and we still had pretty good weather. We would explore new streets that we've never been on, or maybe we've driven on that street, but we've never walked on it. And walking offers such a different perspective. You actually get to slow down, even though we were speed walking, <laughs> you get to slow down enough to, to see the houses, to see the architecture, to see the viewpoints, to notice the type of like energy or storefronts that are on the streets. So it really helped me connect to Seattle on a different level and have these urban walks to experience and explore. For those that live in the area or that are familiar with Seattle, you know, we live in Beacon Hill. And so we would do one walk that went all the way from Beacon Hill through downtown, through Fremont, into the Green Lake area, around Green Lake, back around to University Village. And then we got on the light rail and went home. Or we would walk from our home down through South Seattle into Georgetown and loop around. So we're, we're seeing all these nooks and crannies of the city, which was really fun. I've received some questions around, did you listen to certain podcasts or playlists while you were training? And the answer is surprisingly no. My intention before we started training was, wow, we're going to read and listen to so many audiobooks as we walk and talk and we can have these like creative, enlightened conversations. But truth be told, we had no technology with us. Yes, our phones, but no headphones. And we just walked, sometimes talking, but a lot of times in just silence. So come race day, we didn't use headphones or any music. And looking back, I'm curious if that would have helped at any point. It was really helpful 
when on the race having music, live music at different points, it totally boosted energy and morale to keep going or to speed it up or to have a little fun or to kind of dance as we walk. So I am curious if I were ever to do a marathon again, would I want to create a playlist to bring with me just in case or to help create more of a steady beat to to carry along. So marathon day is here and we have to be up and at the buses at like I think 5.30 in the morning, something ridiculously early. And because I've never run a race before, I'm not ranked. And so we were starting in the last block, which was at 9 a.m., So that meant we were getting to the venue really early and we were going to have a few hours to wait around. Not many people know this and this is kind of funny and if you are somebody who runs races, I'm sure you're going to laugh when you hear this, but my husband and I got a burrito, a breakfast burrito and brought it with us to eat you know, at 7.30 in the morning before we began our walking marathon. Which when I hear that, I am shocked that we did that because the sound of that is just gross. Like, didn't you burp up or have a stomach ache or or something like that? Because I feel like having a heavy burrito is the last thing that you're supposed to be doing before race day. But for us, we were hungry and we needed something substantial and we knew we had a few hours to digest before we started the actual race and we weren't hungry to eat it at 5 30 in the morning when we woke up so we brought it to the stadium with us and all the other runners and racers around us were just kind of laughing at us we had one person walk by and be like hungry I see you know so um yeah you gotta do what you gotta do Again, newbie here who's never raced before, stuff I will tell my future self slash I hope this is helpful if you're ever considering running a race. And if you've run a race before, you probably know this. Bring TP and wipes. I know that doesn't sound that pleasant, but all the porta potties ran out of toilet paper like right when we all got there. And it was mayhem. So thank God there was this angel of a woman who gave me some extra, but bring some for your next time because you never know when you're going to need it. Now for the actual race, my husband and I created a few goals for ourselves. First, we were just wanting to do a marathon, right? To, to speed walk a marathon. And I didn't want to just walk it. I was very motivated to have a fast time. Our fastest mile training was something in the 14-minute mile. But because we were doing, you know, multiple miles, I want to say we were typically in like the 16-minute mile. So our goal became, can we get under 15-minute miles? And then our stretch and reach goal was, can we speed walk a marathon in under six hours? To put these numbers into perspective, because I know we don't typically talk about walking speeds and and how that relates, you know, that typically it takes about 20 minutes to walk a mile. And that's like dilly-daddling walking down the street. Some people might be slower. Some people might be faster. I'm typically about like an 18-minute mile walk. When I'm walking, 
with with purpose, but not necessarily speed walking. That's my New York City strut energy coming out. When we set the goal to walk a 15-minute mile, that felt stretchy. Like, wow, can we cut that down and then sustain that pace for 26.2 miles? I remember one day training, my husband said to me, if I walk any faster below a 15-minute mile, I feel like I'm just going to start to want to get into a run. And it's true. It's interesting sensation to feel in the body when you push yourself to walk with so much speed, what does it naturally want to start to do? So I'm very proud to announce that our final time doing the marathon, we hit our goal of walking way below a 15-minute mile. Average pace per minute, per mile, was 13 minutes and 57 seconds, which is awesome. And it took us a total of six hours and five minutes, five minutes to complete the marathon. The last few miles, we thought there was maybe a hope where we could catch up and actually get under six hours. So we pushed ourselves so fast to walk, not run. We stayed true to our goal of speed walking. And I have never felt my body move that fast. It was an insane feeling. And I noticed there was a little bit of nervousness of like, oh, am I going to injure myself? Like, am I pushing myself past a zone that isn't safe? And I really had to slow down and discern and just trust my body that it could move that fast and it could sustain. And so it was a very interesting like mental game and also listening to my body as as I pushed, my body after that marathon has never been more confused and in pain than anything else. As we entered the original Olympic Stadium to the finish line, there was so much emotion and excitement and history beneath our feet. Once we passed the finish line and we slowed down my legs just felt like they were that wobbly sensation, you know, kind of like when you get off of a boat and you still feel like you have sea legs. As we cooled down, I felt this shift of my body just like so confused, you know, it just sustained intensity for six hours. I, of course, got chilled and then I felt nauseous and then I felt kind of faintish and and then was achy and hungry and yet nauseous and not wanting to eat. So I just felt my body like totally go into kerfluffle mode. I'm really grateful that we brought our own bars and own goos with us because even though there were stops along the way that had Powerade and Coke and bananas and a few goos, most of that was gone by the time the walkers had had gone. So it was really important that we had food to sustain us. And in the future, I would actually bring even more with us. Now, since I was doing this marathon in a different country, I only had a carry-on and it was the beginning of a six-week trip. I only brought with me, but I'm so glad I brought it, was one single yoga tuna ball. And for those that aren't aware, these types of balls are really helpful for myelofascia reliefs. So it was something that I used for my feet and my calves 
and my IT bands and a little bit of my quads after the race and also the continued time up until the race while we were traveling. This is not an ad. This is just a huge fan, but my Hoka's, my Clifton Strength Hoka's were amazing. I had one tiny, tiny blister at the end, but it was so tiny, it barely bothered me. My feet felt great. My ankles felt supported. My knees were happy. I was so grateful for comfortable, supportive shoes. Looking back, I didn't bring a hat. I thought I wouldn't need it, but I really wish I had one because it was sunny and that sun sustained really affected, you know, dehydration levels and headaches. And so I took off my shirt and put it around my head for most of the marathon. And once it started to get chilly towards the end of the day, I put my shirt back on. So hindsight, I would bring a hat. It took about three days to not feel as sore. Like we got on a plane that next morning pretty early and could barely walk in the airport. (laughs) And it kind of felt that way for a few days until, you know, the body readjusted, did a lot of rolling out, a lot of stretching, some swimming, some gentle movement to keep the lactic acid flowing the body, but not straining the body, giving it some rest. Now I thought Doing a walking marathon, there was a little fear in me of will this ruin my relationship to walking? Like I love walking so much, but by me doing it a lot and consistently for such an intense period, am I going to get sick of it? Am I going to become resentful of it? Am I going to not like to walk anymore? And I am very happy to share that my love for walking has continued to grow. I notice that because I've trained and trained for speed that my body's hungry for more steps than what I was doing prior to training. Like I need to take kind of like a a big dog, like a big Great Dane or a lab. I feel like I am a dog that needs to be out running a lot. Like I have a lot more energy in my body that wants to get processed through the lens of walking. So it's kind of fun to feel my endurance and desire around walking steps, mileage increase. And I'm trying to now explore as I'm home and it's winter, what does that get to look like for myself? How do I get to keep walking in a way that feels good and nourishing? And that will be something I will explore in the intention setting party with my new power intention of the year. Now we all know walking is good for us, right? Movement is good for us. There's even this whole like, is walking or running better for us conversation happening. And I go with the do what your body is telling you it wants to do. Don't run because you think you should be or because you see other people doing it and it looks fun. Do it because you want to and your body's telling you. Or maybe your body's telling you it wants to walk. And maybe it's telling you it wants to walk slow. Or maybe it wants to walk fast. Like you get to listen. According to Harvard Health, here are some surprising benefits of walking that you may or may not have known. One, walking affects weight-promoting genes. 
Harvard research looked at 32 obesity-promoting genes in over 12,000 people and determined how much these genes actually contribute to body weight. Among the study, participants who walked briskly for about an hour a day, the effects of those genes, those weight-promoting genes, were cut in half. Second surprising benefit of walking that you may or may not have known is that walking helps to tame sweet tooth. Yes, that is right. A pair of studies from the University of Exeter found that a 15-minute walk can curb your cravings for chocolate and even reduce the amount of chocolate you eat in stressful situations. The third benefit is that it may reduce the risk of developing breast cancer. According to American Cancer Society study, zeroed in on walking and found that women who walked seven or more hours a week had a 14% lower risk of breast cancer than those who walked three hours or fewer per week. The fourth fun fact is that walking helps ease joint pain. Several studies have found that walking reduces arthritis pain and that walking five to six miles a week can even prevent arthritis in the first place. The last fun fact is that walking boosts immune function. Walking can help protect you during cold and flu seasons. A study with over a thousand men and women found that those who walked at least 20 minutes a day at least five days a week had a 43% fewer sick days than those who exercised once a week or less. I will link these all in the show notes if you are curious to learn more. I hope you found this episode helpful and insightful, whether you are setting up and designing your own goals for the new year, or maybe more specifically, you are somebody who wants to make walking a marathon a goal for your new year. Check out the show notes for all of the links and resources mentioned today around joining the intention setting party, checking out the training schedule, and learning more about the Harvard Health walking research. Thanks so much for being here and letting me into your ears and hearts and minds. I am so grateful to you, my listeners, and I welcome you to think about somebody in your community who would find this episode beneficial or insightful. Take a moment to send it and share it along. Until next time, stay centered.